Was there any question, was there any doubt that this was going to be seen as constitutional? The answer, of course, is no. There was no question and there was no doubt whatsoever. Was there any question or any doubt that Trump's team was going to try and say, he's out of office? You can't try him. What are you talking about? No, no doubt whatsoever. We knew exactly what was coming and when it was coming. But maybe we weren't ready for Alan Dershowitz to go on Newsmax and say this. I don't know what these people are doing. I don't know what they're thinking. My goodness gracious, I have absolutely no clue here how they think this is a defense. I mean, it was, it was, pretty, it was pretty incredible. It was pretty incredible to hear him go down this line of, oh, this is, this is just absolutely, positively preposterous. Argument. I have no idea what he's doing. <clears throat> I have no idea why he's saying what he's saying. You know, he's introducing himself. I'm a nice guy. I like my senators. I know my senators. Senators are great people. Come on. The American people are entitled to an argument, a constitution. He's talking about Bruce Castor. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. Bruce Castor, the president's first, uh, there were two lawyers for him. The other one's David Schoen. Bruce Castor did, did not have what we call in the business a good performance. David Schoen, I thought, did a very good job discussing the constitutionality question. The constitutionality question goes to the idea of, can you indeed have this trial? After all, the president's no longer in office. Now, I make the argument, I, I told you, my argument is yes, of, co of course they can. Of course they can, it's not even a question. He was uh, impeached while he was in office, and now the Senate is going to look at conviction. And conviction, so we're all perfectly clear, is not only about removal from office, it's about preventing you from running from another office, a position of, of honor. So, of course, this thing can go on. As a matter of fact, I think it should go on. I know he's not going to get convicted. The argument is not whether or not he should be convicted. Absolutely not. There's nothing there. The question before us is whether he should have been impeached, and the answer is no. Not the idea of whether or not the Senate could take up the case. I think that's a bunch of nonsense. One man's point of view, people will agree and disagree with that. But David Schoen brought up a very, very good piece to this case. He said... The guy behind me is Pat Leahy. He's a very nice guy, but he's the senator from Vermont, and he's already on record, already on record, saying he's going to vote to convict. Why is he in charge of these proceedings? If the, if the Chief Justice of the United States, John Roberts, who according to the Constitution must preside over an impeachment hearing, is not indeed presiding over the impeachment hearing, this is not an impeachment hearing. It's not a trial. It's something else. That's a compelling argument. And for me, it was a more of a compelling argument than uh, what Jamie Raskin and the um, House Democrats delivered. Now, what the House Democrats delivered was much more, for me, of a propaganda piece. 
because I certainly have made up my mind. Of course you have the trial. You don't have anything here for incitement to insurrection, which is the charge. That's the article. A terrible article. An absolutely horrific article, and I'll be explaining why going forward. Dereliction of duty would have worked much better, and I think David Cicilline created a whole bunch of problems as a representative from... from uh, uh, from Rhode Island, created a whole bunch of problems for the Democratic Party in what he said yesterday. But right now, we're still going forward. Everything is still going on. And Jamie Raskin, who, by the way, got accolades from, I mean, even Bruce Cash was like, I think the Democrats did a very good job. And you could actually hear Donald Trump screaming. But he got accolades from a bunch of places, including Ted Cruz. Jamie Raskin former student of Alan Dershowitz. Well, he is right now presenting the argument for conviction, sharing a President Trump tweet from December 12, 2020, we have just begun to fight. And if that's the best he can do, he ain't got nothing. Let's take it to Representative Raskin as we hear this a second trial of Donald John Trump. As they posted on forums before the attack, they were sent here by the president. They were invited here by the president of the United States of America. And when they showed up, knowing of these reports that the crowd was angry and it was armed, here's what Donald Trump told them. President Trump whipped the crowd into a frenzy, exhorting followers, if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. And then he aimed straight at the Capitol, declaring, you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength, and you have to be strong. He told them to fight like hell, and they brought us hell on that day. Incited by President Trump, his mob attacked the Capitol. This assault unfolded live on television before a horrified nation. According to those around him at the time, this is how President Trump reportedly responded to the attack that we saw him incite in public. Delight, enthusiasm, confusion as to why others around him weren't as happy as he was. Trump incited the January 6th attack, and when his mob overran and occupied the Senate and attacked the House and assaulted law enforcement, he watched it on TV like a reality show. He reveled in it, and he did nothing to help us as Commander-in-Chief. Instead, he served as the inciter-in-chief, sending tweets that only further incited the rampaging mob. He made statements lauding and sympathizing with the insurrectionists. Over at 4.17 p.m., over three hours after the beginning of the siege, for the very first time he spoke out loud, not on Twitter, spoke out loud to the American people. Here's what he said. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. So you might be saying, all right, the president is going to console us now. He's going to reassure America. He knows our pain. He knows we're hurt. We've just seen these horrific images of officers being impaled and smashed over the head. Um, we've just been under attack for three hours. But here's what he actually goes on to say. I know your pain. 
I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. So you think he's about to decry the mayhem and violence, the unprecedented spectacle of this mob attack on the U.S. Capitol, but he's still promoting the big lie that was responsible for inflaming and inciting the mob in the first place. If anyone ever had a doubt as to his focus that day, it was not to defend us, it was not to console us, it was to praise and sympathize and commiserate with the rampaging mob. It was to continue to act as insider-in-chief, not commander-in-chief, by telling the mob that their election had been stolen from them. Even then, after that vicious attack, he continued to spread the big lie. And as everyone here knows, Joe Biden won by more than 7 million votes and 306 to 232 in the Electoral College. But Donald Trump refused to accept his loss even after this attack. And he celebrated the people who violently interfered with the peaceful transfer of power for the first time in American history and did that at his urging. And when he did, in this video, finally tell them to go home in peace. I got to tell you, to hear a guy like Jamie Raskin using big lie, um, all you have to do is go to the Jewish Virtual Library and it'll tell you all about Joseph Goebbels. I never pronounced the name right, Goebbels, Goebbels, you know who I mean. Talking Nazis, holy cow. But we'll get more into the impeachment trial in a bit. I'm Tony Katz. So the shaman has apologized. I guess we can put this whole impeachment thing to bed now. We don't need a trial. The guy with the horns and the face paint, the vegan, he's sorry. Didn't mean to get all, you know, worked up. Really sorry he didn't have the rest of his centaur outfit ready to go. That's what, that's what I thought he was going for. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. By the way, where, where else are you going to hear a centaur reference on radio? Nowhere. Producer Ari was stunned by that. It caught me off guard. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. His name is Jacob, and he's been reevaluating his life since being jailed on the charges from the riot. Realizing that he shouldn't have entered the Capitol building, he previously said that Trump inspired him to be in Washington on January 6th, but Trump let a lot of peaceful people down. Sure, sure. That that makes all the sense in the world. That's a completely rational position for a guy to take. That uh, it's it's Trump who who inspired you to be there and clearly to show up dressed uh, like a Viking and then to storm the Capitol and have all these pictures. Oh, and be shirtless in January, don't you know? But he's the, but Trump's the one who let you down. I get it. I get it. It wasn't the education system. It wasn't your parents. It wasn't culture. It wasn't your own sense of self-worth. It was Trump. Sure it was. Makes a sense. I absolutely get it. Other things that also make sense. Uh, You know what? 
if I only had technology that works. It's, it's such nonsense. It's such nonsense. I was going for this, everybody. See, that doesn't make sense either. It's embarrassing how people are acting and reacting. Oh, look what Trump did to this perfectly nice, normal guy who he, he has the Viking helmet. I mean, this is his thing. Look, man, if that's your fetish, I say knock yourself out. Live your life. You be you. But no one forced him to storm the Capitol. Let's say it again. No one forced him to storm the Capitol. So why do we keep going down this road that somehow we're going to say it's all Donald Trump's fault? Now, this, again, goes back to one of the one of the mistakes that took place yesterday when we talk about the proceedings. Now, yesterday's proceedings, of course, as we said, was all about the constitutionality. I don't know how the Senate determines the constitutionality, neither here nor there. But did you hear Representative David Ciceline, is it Ciceline, Rhode Island, discussing it? This was a national tragedy. A disaster for America's standing in the world. And President Trump is singularly responsible for inciting it. I believe with that he did more damage than anybody else. Because the idea that Donald Trump single-handedly incited it is an unprovable thing, even amongst the Senate, where you don't have to just prove it, you just got to get people to be into the idea. Remember, it's not a court of law, it's a court of public opinion. But you just said the words, he's single-handedly responsible, which means that the shaman over here isn't responsible for his own actions. Is this the argument we want to make in America? Because that is a crazed, crazed argument. There's a show on Amazon uh, Prime called The Expanse. And one of the characters in that show is Alex. Um, my wife is a crazy, crazy fan of the show, and therefore every now and again uh, she's watching, and I'm like, okay, what's happening here? It's basically Game of Thrones in space, and I think it was on sci-fi, and it was too expensive for sci-fi, and Jeff Bezos was like, hey, I really like that show, and I have billions of dollars, so here, go make the show for me. I've heard it's awesome. Uh, it, it, my wife's a crazed, crazed fan, and there are groups for it. it it's like the people, if, if you liked Battlestar Galactica, you're going to like The Expanse. That's the way it goes. Uh, and, and so this guy was killed off the show. Oh, spoiler alert. Should I have should I, should I have done that? It's too late now. Should, uh, should I? No, no, I, I can go back in time. I, I, I know I can. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so this guy has something happen to him. Oh, I'm such a scumbag. Oh, I feel terrible, guys. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But it's in the news, so I can't, I can't worry about it. Okay, of cool. This guy allegedly was improper with some women. And when we discuss improper, nobody on set, nobody he worked with, but women he met at, like, conventions and shows. But no one is saying that anything wasn't consensual. I haven't read that.
but rather there were a couple of pieces, women saying that he coerced them into sending nude photos. Now, I think I think the whole idea of, of sending nudes is one of the weirdest things that happens out there. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I met my wife when, when I was young. I never went through the online dating thing. So, so that none of that happened in my life, right? I have never had that moment. And I have also never taken that photo. How do you get, I think there's a question of how do you get coerced? The question that my, my wife did ask was, you mean I'm this strong woman, but I can still be coerced into sending a photo because I'm a child? Which one is it? Which one do they want me to be? Get back to me, please. There's a reason I married the woman. I'm not saying that there aren't creeps out there. Not my argument. I'm not saying that there aren't manipulators out there. Not my argument. My argument is, aren't you still in charge of you? I am not discussing somebody who physically abuses. I'm not discussing somebody who is violent. I am not discussing somebody who is your uh, work or, or financial superior or is a superior in another way in terms of a of a relationship where you need them in order to be able to advance in, 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 in your life. And so, therefore, they have some level of dominion over your future. This is an actor who you met at a conference and maybe you were both like, hey, let's do this. Or he asked and you're like, well, okay. But didn't you say okay? Don't those things ever come about? My question goes to the idea of, is there a moment where the person is responsible for their own actions? And there has to be, in this kind of conversation, a moment that the answer is yes. Jacob the shaman, Viking boy, centaur lover, he's responsible for his own actions. The idea that President Trump is single-handedly responsible for the incitement is to take away the idea of anybody's actions and acts that have led up to it. I am not saying that you cannot disagree with President Trump. I think he did things wrong. I think he did a series of things wrong. I'm saying that for the shaman to blame Trump, he let us down. Stop talking. You're a putz. And for Representative Cicilline, I think that the entire case that you just put together, if it's going to be based on that, breaks. I'm Tony Katz. So the impeachment has begun, right? We're done with questioning the constitutionality, and it, the vote was 56-44. You had six senators, Republicans, who, who voted uh, for it. Uh, ben Sass, Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, Bill Cassidy. I can't remember the sixth. I can't remember the Come sixth. Come on, Romney. I said Romney. Oh, did you? Romney, Cassidy, Sass. Murkowski. Oh, Toomey. Who was it? Toomey. Toomey. Pat Toomey. 
How could I ever forget Pat Toomey? Easy. I looked at him. That's a pretty good joke, if you ask me. It's a little, a little underhanded, but I'll take it. So they voted on the constitutionality question, said, sure, you can go forward. Bill Cassidy out of Louisiana was, was quick to say, this does not mean I'm going to vote to convict. It means that I think that there's enough there that you can go forward with. And this is, this is really about the job that Trump's legal team did. I thought David Schoen did a fine job. He just went on too long. Bruce Castor, nobody knows what he was doing. No, Nobody knows what he was doing. And we're going to get into more of it. Of course, we're going to be sharing it, listening to it, hearing what, what has to be said. You know where I'm at. Conviction is not coming because the Democrats did not put to forth, they didn't put forth the proper article. The article is incitement to insurrection, right? That's the article that the president, then President Donald Trump, incited people to engage in insurrection. They put themselves at a bar that is impossible for them to reach, and Republicans aren't going for it. They're just not. As a matter of fact, I don't argue, I argue that Democrats shouldn't go for it. They should be more discerning. They really and truly should, but that's, that's another subject. Right now, we have to deal with something else that's going on. And that is, there is a real, real kind of fear that people have that the Biden administration is very interested in keeping this level of shutdown for forever. Right now, you've got uh, Chicago uh, teachers unions coming to a deal with with uh, Chicago, and they're still very upset. You couldn't wait a few more weeks for us to have vaccine. Well, what makes us think you were going to come back in a few more weeks? And we're going to see whether the deal actually takes hold and, and whether or not the students go back. The parents have been wanting it something fierce. But what is the idea or what is the, the, the moment when we feel we're really opening schools and what would be considered success in opening schools. Well, Jen Psaki, White House Press Secretary, was asked this very question. Does it mean teachers in classroom teaching students in classroom? Or does it just mean kids in classroom with a remote screen? Help us understand. Sure. His goal that he set is to have the majority of schools, so more than 50%, open uh, by day 100 uh, of his presidency. And that means uh, some teaching in classrooms. So at least one day a week, hopefully it's more. Whoa. First 100 days will put us into April, right? That's what I thought. Does it put us into May? No. Puts us into April. 50% or more? You mean only half the schools are open? And then we consider it a success if they're teaching one day a week. I ask you, parents, is that success? You know it's not success. I know it's not success. What are they doing? What is this discussion? And why is it being, why is it happening? I was going to ask, why is it being, you know, engaged so flippantly? But, but maybe it's, it's not. Maybe they're setting the low expectations so they can exceed it and say, look how well we've done. I talked to a couple of uh, local doctors that I know, and they'll tell you the amount of cases of coronavirus have dropped remarkably over the past few weeks just fallen off the cliff good i'm happy to hear it we've been through this now we might see them go up in a couple months for all i know 
it's a virus, and our job is to live with it, be smart, but don't be afraid. Right now, we're, li- we're not living with it, we're being stupid, and we're petrified. It's, it's, it's Animal House. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. 50% of schools open one day a week, and that's considered success? That's not success. That's madness. That's despicable. That is low rent. That's not leadership. That's fear. And so it really is going to be up to parents to have to fight this fight even more aggressively. You got to get loud. You got to get, oh, wait, are you allowed to say you got to get up in someone's face? Ah, Yeah, you got to get up in someone's face. Schools have got to be open. They're safe. The CDC has said they're safe. Dr. Anthony Fauci, all praise his name, has said it's safe. I'm assuming that's what you're supposed to do, right? He, he's, now our, he's now the person that we pray to. He, he knows all things. He is good and wise. He is Dr. Anthony Fauci. Check your local television. Guaranteed he's on there somewhere. He, oh, of course he is. It, it, it's like PCU. There's always a, a Michael Caine movie on at some time, some part of the day. And just like that, there's a, there, there's a, a Dr. Fauci. She, you know, he's, he's somewhere on, on, on your TV. <laughs> Guaranteed your money back. If all of them are saying schools could be open, why, why aren't schools open? Why? Why? aren't they open and if your goal the best you can do the best you can do is 50 percent in three months with at least being open one day a week holy hot damn are you a despicable failure i mean a wretched failure unless of course that's the plan but why would that be the plan that's a whole nother question I'm Tony Katz. Impeachment is rolling right along. Non-impeachment, the trial. We all know what we mean at this stage of the game, but I think it's still worth defining properly. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. It was Jamie Raskin who started things off today. And I got to tell you, I'm still bothered by this big lie conversation Jewish men should not be using big lie. That's Goebbels. That, you know, tell a lie big enough, people will believe it. That's where that comes from. It's kind of despicable he went down that road. I don't know who's going to pick up on that. There are a hundred things you could have said. You could have said the president lied, meaning President Trump, and you could then back it up all, all you wish. This is different and ugly. But they're, they're on it, on the impossible quest, and trying to feel, you know, emboldened about it and pious about it. I'll get into why that is uh, coming up, but this is Representative Nagus out of Colorado. He is in part two of this conversation. You'll have two days from the Democrats uh, today and Thursday. Republicans may start up on Friday. They're going to continue, oddly enough, on Saturday. And then weirdly enough, There may be a deliberation on Sunday in a vote. This is not the way they were describing it just a day ago. Seems that timeline may have shortened up, but anything can happen between now 
And then let's take it to Representative Nagoose for the Democrats, one of the impeachment managers, making the case for conviction of President Donald Trump. To numerous desperate pleas on the phone, across social media, begging him to stop the attack. And you will see his relentless attack on Vice President Pence, who was at that very moment hiding with his family as armed extremists were chanting, hang Mike Pence, calling him a traitor. You will see that even when he did finally, three and a half hours into the attack, tell these people to go home in peace, he added, as lead manager Raskin said, I'll quote, you're very special. We love you. Think for a moment, just a moment, of the lives lost that day, of the more than 140 wounded police officers, and ask yourself, if as soon as this had started, President Trump had simply gone onto TV, just logged onto Twitter and said, stop the attack. If he had done so with even half as much force as he said, stop the steal. How many lives would we have saved? Sadly, he didn't do that. At the end of the day, the president was not successful in stopping the certification. That we know, thanks to the bravery of our law enforcement and to the bravery of the senators in this room. Each of you who still fulfilled your constitutional duty, even under the threat of mortal peril. But there can be no doubt of the grave harm that he caused. To our elected leaders, to us, our families, to all who work in the Capitol, our staff, your staff, to our brave Capitol Police who defend us tirelessly with little thanks, who believed that they had a commander-in-chief who would defend and protect them and instead put them in harm's way, to those killed for heeding his command, to our democracy and the system which ensures that we have a president elected by the people, to our national security and our standing in the world. The harm was real. The damage was real. Five people lost their lives on that terrible, tragic day. A woman was shot dead 50 feet from where we later certified the election results. And for those who question just how bad it was, criminal complaints recently unsealed by the Department of Justice are more than revealing. You'll see one of these documents on the screen. In the charging affidavit of one of the leaders of the Proud Boys, we learned that members of this group said, I'm going to quote, they would have killed Mike Pence if given the chance. In another, we learned of a tweet in real time while they were in the building stating, we broke into the Capitol, we got inside, we did our part, 
We were looking for Nancy Pelosi to shoot her in the frickin' brain, but we didn't find her. And for anyone who suggests otherwise, these defendants themselves have told you exactly why they were here. You'll see this in the trial. That in the halls of the Capitol, on social media, in news interviews, and in charging documents, they confirm they were following the president's orders. You can see some of the statements on that screen. One who said, Trump wants all able-bodied patriots. Another, that President Trump is calling us to fight. This isn't a joke. Another one, I thought I was following my president. I thought I was following what we were called to do. Our president wants us here. We wait and take orders from the president. He made them believe over many weeks that the election was stolen and they were following his command to take back their country. As I prepared for today, yesterday, this trial, there's one memory that I couldn't shake, which was on the night of January 6th and the feeling of walking back onto the House floor and seeing many of you there. I remember us finishing our task at four in the morning. And as, off, as I walked off the floor, I was so grateful, so grateful for the opportunity to thank the Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence, for his actions, for standing before us and asking us to follow our oath and our faith and our duty. We only got a couple of hours of sleep that morning. Early the next day, I called my dad, who came to this country, as I mentioned, as an immigrant 40 years ago. And I told him that the proudest moment by far of serving in Congress for me was going back onto the floor with each of you to finish the work that we had started. I'm humbled to be back with you today. And just as on January 6th, when we overcame that attack on our capital, on our country, I'm hopeful that at this trial, we can use our resolve and our resilience to again uphold our democracy by faithfully applying the law, vindicating the Constitution, and holding President Trump accountable for his actions. That's Representative Jonah Goose. Now, this is not a conversation of whether or not you agree. It's a conversation of style and it's a conversation of presentation right now. Uh, and I think he does a good job of that. I think he did a fine job of it. Um, I think that, that for the most part yesterday, well, I didn't get to hear every part of, of Jamie Raskin today. Uh, Raskin did a good job of it yesterday. The part where I think that it didn't work. He was talking about his son who, who passed away and was buried, I, I believe, at the funeral. It was the day before um, January 6th. Um, 
and he brought that up, and it was emotional. He talked about his daughter being with him at the Capitol and that being emotional. And I made the argument yesterday that I think the emotion um, does not do him well. I, I want to double down on that. I don't think it helps. I think it hurts. I think it causes a problem. I think it, it, it takes away from the constitutional question and is a tug at the heartstring moment. And with all due respect, I, I have no idea what it's like to lose a child. I make no conversation there. I only want to deal with the constitutional issue at play, beginning to end. I want to deal with what your proof is that the president solely and exclusively incited an insurrection and everything else, with all due respect, goes to the side and maybe with not as much respect as you would like. So let's see if they stay focused. We'll see what they get into.